We're in danger in the church so much of what we get not being rhema. We're in danger of so much preaching that's just reading. It's just the, it's just the, the, the outflow of somebody reading and studying and then talking. And that's not God speaking. That's just some man reading and thinking and talking. And I'm listening to it on Christian radio, and these people give these little 10-minute or 5-minute excerpts. You know, they pay to go on Christian radio, and they give it. And I'm listening to it, and I'm like, but there's no rhema. There's no life. It's just what some dude read, and he made a few notes, and it came back, and it's just coming back out at me. You know, I could have read it myself and got the same thing. There's no grace in it. There's no anointing in it. And it, it worries me for churches, for people, because we need the life of God and we need the now word of God. We need to learn to discern seasons and people and anointings and graces. And people aren't talking about this in so many places. They're literally not. And as a matter of fact, it's being washed away. These truths are being washed away. And the people of God have not been trained to seek God. They don't know how he works. They literally just think you get saved and then whatever happens, happens until you die. And hopefully, you know, in their idea, hopefully you go to heaven. And, and that's so far from the Christian experience that he wants for his people. It has nothing to do with what he wants for his people. That is man's idea because man read a book. You know, not everybody, not everybody got Tom Sawyer either. A bunch of them read it, but they still don't know what Samuel Clements was saying, right? And that's just in the natural. You agree? Are we in agreement? Let's talk about this for a minute. We have to get the Word of God. We have to get it. And, and we have to get levels of the Word of God. We've got to go deeper to get what we need to get from God. Not every Christian knows God. They may be saved by God. They're being saved by God. But not every Christian, and come on, I have to say this, not every preacher knows God. Okay? And we need to find people that can help us on our journey. And it, it just blows, it just, it just shocks me that, that we're not seeking. Christian people don't seek. They, they, they grow up, and, and many of them go to, I, 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 we used to go to my grandma's church. Guys, they had one of those boards. They put up the number of people in church that day. You know, they put numbers up there, literally. Sunday school, eight. Worship, 12, you know. And you get sick, or something happens, and you don't have an answer for it, and nobody there can help you. And people just go every Sunday and sit in that same pew with those 8 and 12. They're not seeking somebody that's got an answer because somebody along the way trained them that nobody has answers. Because if somebody hadn't trained them that, they'd be looking. Because people aren't stupid. They just don't know. Are we in agreement? So they go to the same place all the time. Right? There, I, I know people now, their lives are crumbling around them. They've been to church before. They've experienced times of blessing. Their lives are crumbling. Do they turn back? No. They don't go to church. They're willing to let it crumble. Right now. You know, it's sad. It is so sad. Why? I don't know all the reasons why. What I can tell you is they're not seeing anybody when they look that seems to have answers. You realize that? When they look, they're not seeing anybody that seems to have any answers. Now, part of it is them because they look at people whose lives aren't crumbling and they don't go. Wonder if they know something I don't know. Why wouldn't they do that? They've been trained that we all know the same information. Everybody has access to the same information, right? I'm just having bad luck. Guys, that's not the realm of God. That's the realm where Satan kills you. If you remain in that realm, he kills you where you are. You understand that? The realm of God is in three words, ask, seek, and knock. 
everything, every challenge, everything can be answered through asking, seeking, and knocking. You can't go to the same 8 and 12. If nobody, if you're asking, you're seeking, you're knocking, you're not receiving, what do you got to do? You got to go seek something else, right? Do you see Christian people doing that? Do you see them flying to Indonesia seeking? Do you see them flying to California seeking? Do you see people from Indiana flying to South America seeking? Do you see them knocking? Has anybody knocked on your door this week? What's wrong with Christians? They don't believe the word, ask, seek, and knock. They can't get that. That's simple. A seven-year-old understands ask, seek, and knock. Why aren't they? Why aren't they? They do not believe it. They don't believe it, folks. What do they need? Well, they need to help them believe it. Thank you. They need to see it in your life. They need to see it in your life. Oh, they're, they're going to believe the pastor. They're not even going to look at that. Oh, that's the pastor. That's different, right? They need to see it in the normal, natural life of another church-going person. Jesus was full of miracles. It didn't matter. They had to happen to other people. When it happened to other people, I know that guy his whole life. He was blind his whole life. Yeah, okay, that's God, right? I know that guy his whole life. He was an alcoholic his whole life. Yeah, that's God. I'm just talking about the kind of things that, you know, I've known those people my whole life. They wouldn't have been seen in church, wouldn't have given a dollar to anybody. Now they're tithing in church. They're in church every Sunday. It's just a fact, right? It's just a fact. What in the world could change the life of somebody like that? That must be God. That must be God. Maybe there's something to it. Where are these testimonies? Where are these testimonies? Anybody been blessed? You wouldn't know it. <laughs> Nobody's saying it. I would have given you time this morning and handed you the mic if you'd have come to me and said, I had a testimony. You know, it says that all creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. You know how they're revealed? They're going to bless God. They're going to talk about him. Driving over here, nobody cares. They go by eight churches on the way, and they're full of cars. Nobody's saying good things about God at work, at the football game. You know what I'm saying? They're not. I'll just tell you they're not. Because if they were saying good things about God, people would be beating down the door trying to get in, and you wouldn't have enough chairs. It's just a fact. You agree with me? It's just a fact. It's just a fact. Disciples make disciples. That's what they do. Disciples create disciples, or they're not obedient. You understand that it's disobedience. Jesus said, go ye therefore and make disciples. Disciple. That's what he told us to do, literally. Go make disciples. But I, I, it's hard. People don't listen to me. People don't listen to you. They don't see nothing in your life to follow. They don't listen to you. They don't see anything in your life to follow. Okay? That means you got integrity problems. You got other problems. Because they'll follow a natural person to a spring if they, thinks it, if they think it gives life, right? So you got, you got to get this thing straightened out. They don't think enough of you to follow you, right? I mean, that, am I right? I mean, I'm not trying to lie here. I'm not about lying up here before God. What's the deal? Didn't, 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 didn't Jesus say, go and make disciples of all men? Are we disciple makers or are we church shower uppers? You know, what are we? I would suggest to you, I'm not going to name anybody. There's one disciple in this room that's probably bought, brought eight of the people in this room here because they listen to what we teach, but they've been making disciples. Maybe six. It's simple. It works. You just have to do it. You just have to believe Jesus. You have to want what's best for his kingdom, and you have to be an obedient servant and not a rebel, not in disobedience. You have to do it. You know, you realize part of being saved is producing fruit. You have to read that in John 14, 15, and 16. If you love me, you will keep my commands. You will keep my commands. You will love one another, right? And what? Produce fruit. 
The kingdom of God producing fruit is making disciples. That's what it is. Amen? Why are we sitting here with the same 37 people? We're not propagating disciples. We're not. We're not doing it. Do we love people if we believe we have answers and we don't tell them? How will they know your mind, Jesus said? Because you love one another. And he said, he who loves me, well, what? We just said it. Keep my commands and love one another. Keep my commands and love one another, right? Amen? The word of God's good. You come to get the word of God. What do you do with it? You come to be moved by the spirit of God. You come to receive the gift of God, the word that he gives me. That's what you do. What do you do with it? That's what we pray. But if we're sharing it, it makes disciples. God's word is sent, and it always accomplishes what it's sent to do. How many levels is it sent to? Just this level, or does this level take it to the next level? You see what I'm saying? It's simple. (laughs) It's really like a formula for him. And there's going to be no hiding, unfortunately, because he knows his formula works 100% of the time because God is not a failure. He knows it. He knows his formula works. Does that make sense? Are we together? He knows his formula works. I'm not going to be able to look at him and say, hey, I didn't work the formula. He knows there, there will be none of that. You know? Amen? I want to try to cultivate the love in you. But, I mean, I, I guess first we got to come to a point where you, where you want to listen, where you realize there's a reason to listen. There's a reason to go out and do what I'm asking you to do, what he's asking you to do. Because I promise you, there's a reason. It's funny. I it's hard to figure out, you know. If it's so easy to get saved, why did Jesus say, struggle to come in through the narrow gate? Strive to come in through the narrow gate. For many there are who seek it, but few there are who will find it. Why would he say that? If everybody out there that claims Jesus is saved, that's not real hard, is it? So that must not be how you enter into the kingdom of heaven by itself, you know? It must not be. He must be serious. You have to love one another. So that means putting some people ahead of you, right? I mean, it, it, it just does, right? Am I right? I mean, if you don't know what love is, 1 Corinthians 13 tells you. Keeps no record of wrong. Keeps no record of wrong. <laughs> I mean, gives everybody. I mean, you just go down. And it's there. It tells you what love is. And if you do a love assessment, a lot of times you realize, man, I'm operating in like one out of nine. I'm operating in like one out of eight, you know. What's up with this? And then being obedient to King Jesus. Helping make disciples. It doesn't mean you're God in yourself going out and doing the whole thing, but are you doing your part to help make disciples? Right? Amen. Now, that's what I want to tell you. And the reason I think people don't do this, one of the reasons I think, I think that people don't do this, we really just don't believe who we are. And here's something that it has to be, and I've said it so many times, it's we, the church has to prosper in all ways now, not just, not just like Dallas, you know, but that's part of it, right? Because it's cheap. I preach the word basically for free, right? But to have a place where you can do it or send somebody to another country to do it costs dollars. There ain't no way around that. There's no way around that. So if the church is broke, how do you do it? You with me? Right? Amen. And if churches all over America can barely pay their bills or really aren't paying their bills, how they how are they supposed to do? How are they supposed to compete with the world? You realize worldly people look at worldly things, right? So surely we're not in a funk thinking that, well, the Holy Spirit's just going to convict them all and run them through that door. Because the Holy Spirit convicts through people, 
and through the work of people. He doesn't, he doesn't work out in the air convicting. I, I know, honestly, I'm not trying to be funny. So many people think that. They really think that. They think that the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world just as they're pushing their, their lawnmower. They're just going to under, undergo this tremendous conviction and just go to church tomorrow. And they're not. If they were, you wouldn't have to do anything. <laughs> right? They are convicted because the people of God live a different life. They are convicted because the people of God love them when they don't love them back. They are convicted because God's servants go forth and do righteousness in the face of tremendous evil. That is the Holy Spirit in a person convicting the world. Amen. If we don't go and do that, they will not see the conviction. They will not see the conviction. If we invite them to a place that's uncomfortable, they are not spiritual beings yet. They're not willing to sit there and undergo some discomfort for a good word of God. They wouldn't know a good word of God if it slapped them. They want to be comfortable. Yeah? Yeah. They do. On some level, and these are just things that you can kind of anticipate, especially in the United States, right? Because people, we're not, people aren't in, they're not in dire need of fresh water, folks. And regardless of what you hear on the news, they're not in dire need of food. There are so many locations to get food if you just go get it. So many programs. I've got a list in there. You know, most of the time people call, they want money, they say we're hungry, and you, you pull out the list, and you, there's like eight places, and they get tired. You give them two, they're like, yeah, hey, that's good, you know. They don't even want the rest of them. Really. Really. But here's what I wanted to tell you. Novel coronavirus, you familiar with that? They keep saying it. You, you heard, the, you never heard them call it the novel coronavirus? Yeah. That's what they call it. They call it this novel coronavirus, coronavirus 19. Novel, if you're not familiar with it, means never unheard of, never before seen. New. That's why they call it that, never before heard of, the novel coronavirus, right? And this is what I want you to know. The interesting thing is God created everybody in the room to be novel, never before seen, unheard of. Unfortunately, and and. The only thing we were supposed to worship was God. But unfortunately, people worship other people. They worship systems, and they worship other people, and they grow up that way. They worship what their parents say. They should honor what their parents say, but they shouldn't worship their systems if they're out of whack with God. But children that don't grow up in a Christian household don't know that. They do not know. So they worship what their parents worship, who worship what their grandparents worship, right? It could be hard work. It could be alcohol. It could be the ways of the world. It could be money. It could be any of a lot of things like that. And by the way, it can be family. And that's an insidious one in the church where you put family ahead of what Jesus has called you to do, right? And it happens. It ha- I mean, it happens. And it's okay because it's family. And yet, the Lord looked at Abraham and said, leave your family and follow me. Right? And so, anything that blocks us is blocking us. Right? So, you're called to be novel, but we grow up and we see what we think we are, what we think our people do, what they're capable of. Right? Am I right? Anybody in this room doesn't know what your folks are capable of? I mean, be honest with me. Did you kind of grow up with some kind of understanding of the socioeconomic status of your family, who they are, and what people with your socioeconomic status can and can't achieve? And, you know, what you're, you understand what I'm saying? Of course you did, because that's what Satan wants everybody to do, right? And so what does that mean? What does that mean? That means that somebody's taught you basically what your limits are. 
Am I right about that? These are your limits. This is your educational ability. This is your intellectual ability. You know, this is your ability to communicate with others, right? These are your physical limitations. You hear me? And when you take all this and you have been taught by the world to boil that down and figure out what your cap is and really what you should do and you should operate in that room. Am I right? Really? I should operate in that room. And actually, the world helps you out even more because they put a dollar structure per hour on who you are. If you have this much education, right? Am I right? And you're from this type of background and your DNA lends itself to this, this is about what that is worth. And this is about what a pe- person in that, you know, socioeconomic status, whatever you want to call it, is capable of. And this is the dollar value of what they mean to society. Am I right? All right, so that's the world system. Now, when you're born again, all that changes. But you don't know it. When you're born again, everything changes. But you don't know it. The world is still there telling you, no, 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 it's 15 to $20 an hour. They're telling you every time you turn around. As a matter of fact, they're trying to help you in your plight because they're going up there saying, oh, no, we need to raise the minimum wage so we can help these people. You should be upset when they do that because you should say, I have a God that helps me. Do you know where your help comes from? How many people are trying to be helped by other people? You know? When you were born again, everything changed. The minute you were born again, your real possibility created by God, not by what the world says, not by who your parents were, not by what your natural DNA says, your real possibility was loosed into your life. You know, God went about changing all these people's names. You realize this, right? Abram to Abraham. Remember? Jacob to Israel. All right? All these names were changed. What was he saying? Do you realize what that is? That's the earthly possibility. And then they come in contact with God, and in effect they're born again, and their true possibility. He changes their name to match their true possibility. That's who you are. You understand? And in the New Testament there was a man named Saul. And he persecuted Christians. And then he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. You know? And he said, from now on, your name's not Saul. Your name's Paul. And there's a man named Simon. And he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And one day, one day he answered a question right to his mentor, Jesus. And Jesus said, yeah, you finally hit the level. You finally have grown to the level where I can share with you who you were created to be, not what the world says. Because, you know, he'd been a fisherman. Nothing wrong with that, but that's what he had been. But that's not what, do you understand? That's not what God created him for. Do you understand? Based on his DNA and his parental, you know, his parents, parental (laughs) ancestral heritage, and based on everything that he had been shown in the world, he's a fisherman. And then Jesus Christ looks at him and says, yeah, you're ready now. You're rock. And on things such as you, I'll build my kingdom. I'll build this church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against what I do in the lives of people that reach this level. Come on, can you hear me? Are we in agreement? You see how your God works? He's been doing it all throughout. He hasn't changed. We just didn't know. He hasn't changed, guys. We just didn't know. So real quick, I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 15, and we're going to fly maybe through this. But you got to hear this if you didn't hear that the other day because you can't go any further in this life until you know this. You'll just be doing this. You'll just be going in a loop. You'll just be going in a loop until you figure this out, okay? And by the way, I realize some people, and, and God realizes 
that some people have um, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17. God realizes that some people have a pretty good provision flow, even in their natural occupation. Some of them, some of them, some of them are, you know, they're Saudi Arabian sheiks that have a tremendous provision flow in their natural capability. Right? So it's not just about dollars, remember. But are right, you ready? 17. Therefore, if anybody's in Christ, he's a what? Now, you've read that, you've read that, and you've read that, but we may not have understood that. Totally new. Totally new. Does that make sense? We're with each other. Totally new. Now, you don't get it because you're sitting there like this. Because if you got it, you'd be like, Totally new. There are, there's, no, there's no limit to this. The only limit is what God said. That makes sense. And you don't need anything else. You don't need anybody else. God's going to supply your people to help you. But we've got to train them to know to find you and help you because people don't know about any of this, Okay. But think about this with me for a second. If anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed. That's what you were, folks. That's your cap. That's your limitation. That's your ancestral heritage. That's all that. All that old stuff is past. Your limit, the things that you were able to do, your $15 to $30 an hour, all of that has passed. The need to budget because you and your wife only make $12 an hour each. All of that has passed. Can you hear? Let's say it with me. All. All of that has passed. Why are we still out setting our lives up on a budget based on that instead of this? Why are we still actually planning to squeak by and not be able to bless anybody, not even ourselves? We literally have tons of Christians in churches all over America, and they are budgeting on pennies to be able to squeeze through and they think it's an honor to God. I'm not saying being wasteful. I'm just pointing this out. If the cap is lifted, why do you live like you're under a cap? I'll say it again. The cap is lifted. Why are people still living like they're under a cap? If the limitations have been... Because it's like I told you, you've read it, but you didn't understand it. Rhema, guys. The word of God for now. The word of God for now says you're no longer what you were. If Christians believed that, they'd take more vacations. They'd make more disciples. They'd be happier and full of joy more as a group of people. You realize this. You realize what this would do. And guys, they'd be actually able to honor another human being with their own substance. That's one of the things that when I came into the body of Christ, it didn't make sense to me. Why are the Christians so broke and why are they so tight? of anybody in the world, they ought to be, I mean, I mean, I'm sitting here reading this, you know, for the first time, and I'm going, everybody sewed into other people. I mean, it was like, you know, they weren't broken tight and upset about bills and junk, you know, because like they believed God, right? And God supplied, amen? Am I right? And like, I'd, but then I'd go to church, and I mean, all these grouchy, grumpy people are barely getting by. They wouldn't give you 50 cents. It's like, I'm seeing this, but when I'm out in the people, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing all this word about blessing, but I'm seeing people trudging around like this, and the door is about to fall off the car, which is true. Not making fun of anybody. I drive an old brown truck. and don't even have a door handle on the inside because I broke it off. 
But I promise you, I got the new one. I just didn't care about putting it on yet. You know? And I also have a newer black truck that I like. So I don't have to drive it. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Because I heard one time that all things became new, and I'm not dependent on anybody because my cap's been taken off, see? Money flows to me. Provision flows to me. It does. I have people ask me all the time, it blows their mind. And all you do is pastor that church. Yeah. That little church. Yeah, that's right. But it's not dependent on those people. It's dependent on me and God and me being obedient. He makes money flow to me. He makes money flow to me. He does. I mean, over half the income of this, this whole ministry comes from people who never set foot in this building. I mean, it's a fact. <laughs> what are you going to do? God just said, no. You've been, hey, you're, you know, that's the way it works. You can just get Christians to believe that. You can just get Christians to believe that. But we sacrificed and we sowed, guys. For a long time, we sacrificed and we sowed. You know? I mean, hundreds of thousands in different ways, whether it was income, retirement used to start, you know, at times ministry to keep a ministry propped up, whether it was, you know, sowing thousands of dollars at once into somebody that needed help. We did that. So I don't want you to think that we just showed up and God started doing that because people that talk like that, you only get half the story. And I don't want to give anybody half the story because there's a full story to it, right? And I really feel like a lot of times in Christianity we do a disservice by telling everybody all the good stuff, right? All the, all the easy stuff and that money flows to us or... or or provision, let's say, flows to us, right? And we don't say, but there were years when we were sacrificially giving and we were the ones sowing provision for years and years. And, and so people tend to think, oh, good, I'll just go home today and thank Jesus and provision will begin to flow, right? And they don't realize, no, it, there's a 15-year sacrifice of income and different things. But see, I know the Word of God says that anything I sacrifice in the service of God, I get back double in this life and eternal life in the world to come. I know that. So I don't care whether you guys believe it. That doesn't really matter to me. As long as I hold on to it and I fight for it between me and God, it doesn't matter. And you should be that same way, right? Amen. You should be that same way. So... It's interesting. I want, if you go back, look, let's look at verse 14 real quick. Paul says, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge this. If one died for all, then all have died. If Jesus died for us all, then guess what? We've all died. Amen? When you died to your limit, you died to your cap, you died to your DNA, you died to all those things, why are you still living under it, folks? You haven't learned the gospel yet. We haven't believed the true gospel. All that junk that capped us from the top was natural. When I died, I died to natural things. Now I live in a spiritual realm. I'm still standing in the natural, but my blessing comes from above. I don't have to worry about the natural anymore. Stock market crashes? Okay, I'm going to be fine. My provision will just come from somewhere else. He'll just command a raven to feed me. You heard of Elijah? Yeah, he'll command a raven to feed you too if you're in the right place. Right? Amen? But you have to believe that. And not only that, you got to be willing to listen to the man or woman of God when they tell you there's a raven feeding people over there or else you'll sit at home and starve. I don't listen to people. I only listen to God. God going to go, huh, you'll be talking to me pretty soon, too. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you how foolish it was to sit there in that house and not listen to the man or woman of God. I know that's funny, but it's true. You know, there was one person in the whole country that had the grace and understood that at that time. One person had to reign on. Not everybody. That's crazy. Christians today believe everybody has the same information. That's ridiculous, unbiblical garbage. One person.
had the word from God in that season. It was Elijah. There were prophets all over that land, folks. One person had the grace from God in that season that could fix all the problems. You realize that? Nobody was listening. Nobody was seeking. They didn't have any water, but they were hard. Well, if God's going to be hard on us, then we'll just take it. God just laughs and says, fine, I'm going to break you. I got plenty of water up here where I'm at, and I don't need it anyway, but I got it, right? But if you want to be broken, be like a horse. I'll rope you and break you, right? Or you can just submit and ask, seek, and knock. You can just submit and ask, seek, and knock, <laughs> right? It's so easy. So I'm going to get going here, sorry. Um, one died for all, then all died. And Jesus died, he that is, verse 15. He died that those who live should knit, live no longer to themselves. All right, hold on. Here we go. Stop for a second. How did you decide what your life would be, who you would be? How did you decide who you would be? How did you decide who you would be? Who told you who you would be? Who told you who you would be? Where you are right now, who told you? Income, education. Who told you how many kids to have? All these things, right? Whatever it is, who told you? Most of it's on you. Most of it's on you, your parents, your school guidance counselor, your friends, the people you hang around, the people you become like. Am I right? Why? Because we worship in people. The worship in people. But you know what I just read? If you get the rhyme out of that verse, what does it say? That we should live no longer to ourselves. Ultimately, the life that you are living most likely is the life you have chosen for yourself based on what everybody in your life showed you and told you. Am I right? Did you read that with me? That you should no longer live to yourself. People tend to think that means sin. It's not talking about sin. It's talking about the life you are living, the cap you are under, the thing you feel like is your limit. You are no longer to live to that, but instead you are to live to Christ. You are to live now to the cap He put on you. Your ability has just been expanded. You went from the ability of the life you chose from yourself just by being born again, just by the fact that the Holy Spirit now indwells you. You have come from your ability to the ability of Christ. Amen. Did you see that? That's amazing. That they would no longer live to themselves, but for Him who died for them and rose again. When you live for Christ, the only cap you have is the one He has played. And I want you to know something. He hasn't placed one on you. How do I know? Oh, it's simple. You ready? You ready? If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you shall, and it shall be done for you by my Father in heaven. Whatever you shall. There's no cap, folks. There's no cap on you. Why, why are you still living in the natural world as if they're a cap? Why are you saying, oh, I can't do that, man. I, I can't do that. I mean, you know, I don't even know how to, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. You don't sound like God, man. You sound like you're still living the life you chose for yourself. And you will keep living it until you believe what that word says. Until you believe what that word says. Because you know what? He's not going to try to make you something that if you don't agree with him, he's not going to fight you on it. He said, my spirit won't strive with man. But if you want to line up with my spirit, I'll carry you places. That's what he said. You know, I mean, it's just true. We no longer live to ourselves, but for, but for him who died for us and rose again. Therefore, therefore, because of this, because we're no longer supposed to be limited and we now have the open heaven, This is what he says. From now on, you regard no one according to the flesh. Paul's explaining this. So he says, 
So from now on, we used to look at somebody and say, well, their daddy was a fisherman, mom was a fisherman, the whole family's been fishermen, you know, none of them went to college, whatever, you know, da-da-da-da-da. So, again, you know, $15 an hour, right? We used to do that like the world does, Paul says. He says, but from now on, having learned this, we no longer regard anybody according to the flesh, who their parents were, what their educational level is, what their DNA says. We don't regard them according to that because we know the truth now. We know the truth is as far as they'll go in faith is as far as they'll go. And it doesn't surprise us when people prosper to an unbelievable stature and do amazing things because they have the whole Holy Spirit. Right? And the Bible says anything is possible to him who believes. You think there's a limit on you. There isn't. All things are possible to him who believes. Come on. Yeah. All things. Well, you know, you, you, you let yourself get in your 60s and you had not even saved up any retirement. Well, guess what? All things are possible to him who believes. You should have been saving $1,000 a month since you were 20. You're not going to make it. That ain't, that's not the Lord talking. That's the kingdoms of the world talking. You know? It's the kingdoms of the world talking. Well, you know, I really, I, you know, I've been doing this job and it's something that it's really provided for my family, but it's, it's just not something in my heart. I just really don't agree with it, you know, whatever it is. Change. Well, I can't change. I've been doing it for 20 years. I mean, I, nobody else will pay me. What? What? Nobody? Uh-uh. We don't talk like that in, in believer world. They talk like that in the fallen world. We don't say nobody. We don't say we can't. We don't say it's impossible. We say God can. God will. And we use the word of God. If I abide in you and your word abides in me, I can ask whatever I shall shall be done for me. By, by my Father in heaven. Amen. What if you took that one scripture and did like Jacob and wrestled with the man who brought it to you all night and wouldn't let him go until they blessed you? What if you did that? There's no, you, you go read it. I dare you to go read it. There's no caveats to it. It doesn't, it doesn't even say if you're obedient. That scripture sits there alone like a promise on a golden plaque on the wall. You go look at it. It does. It doesn't have, it doesn't have anything tied to it. It says, if you abide in me and the words I've said abide in you, Ask whatever you shall, and it shall be done for you. Now, I will tell you, it can't be illegal. It can't be immoral, <laughs> you know. God's not going to do that. But in terms of who you're called to be, you, you remember the story of Jacob, right? He, he finally got smart. He had already had an encounter with God. He kind of missed it. He said, God was in this place. I didn't realize it. He named it House of God, Bethel, Right? Remember? He saw angels ascending and descending on the stairway to heaven, right? Amen? So what happened? And he kind of missed it, though. And the next time, he sent his family across this river. Right before he's going to meet his brother, Esau, who, when they last met, Esau wanted him dead, right? I mean, so it's a big deal. Some of you that are in, under pressure and don't know what to do, it's a big deal. And Jacob, you know, he's, he, he goes to sleep. Well, first of all, he prays. He builds a tiny little altar, puts some rocks up, lays his head on it, right? And then, so, in, uh, sometime in the middle of the night, a man comes to him and starts wrestling with him. Hmm? Starts wrestling with him. You know the story, right? And Jacob wrestled with him. And he, he wouldn't relent. He kept, and he held. And they wrestled all night long, back and forth. And daylight started to come, and the man said, let me go for daylight approaches. You know what Jacob said? Jacob said, I'm not missing this encounter this time. I know you're God. He didn't say it, but in his mind, he said, I, I, I know you're the personification of God. He said, I won't let you go till you bless me. Church, do you hear me? I will not let go of this word 
until you bless me. I'm going to remind you of it five times a day, God. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty times a day. I will wrestle with you. You will bless me. And he kept holding on, kept holding on, kept holding on. And finally the man he wrestled with touched his hip and knocked it out of socket. So he could kind of get away, right? You remember that? And, but instead of leaving him there, he said, what can I do for you? That's what everybody in this room wants to hear from God. What can I do for you? Ask, and it shall be given unto you, right? And so he said, what can I do for you? Ask, tell me, right? Amen? He said, well, I want you to bless me. He said, your name's no longer Jacob, now it's Israel. He blessed him. You know, the word of God says that the kingdom of God suffers violent violence. And it says, but the violent take it by force. You, will you wrestle with God's word until you get it? Will you wrestle with God? Will you remind him? It says in Isaiah, set forth your case. Let us argue. That's what God literally says. Is anybody doing that? No, for the most part not. Are you holding on and fighting? That, that one word, like I said, if you abide in me, that is in Christ, my words abide, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you shall, and it shall be done for you by my Father in heaven. Most people ask about four times over the course of two days. It doesn't come. They just kind of give up. Right? Isn't that true? What if they held on and fought and fought and fought? And see, when God struck his leg, he gave him a limp, right? That's no problem, though. Because what that meant is, you're going to be dependent on me the rest of your life. You're not going to walk right without me. And that's what we all need. We all need to not be able to complete what we're trying to do without him. When we get to that point, it's the point of blessing. As long as you can do it on your own, you're not doing it. You're not, you don't need God. Amen? Oh, i got to hurry. I want to tell you something else, too. All right, so we're going to stop there um, for right now. And, and so just know, oh, there's something I probably have to tell you here. Do I have to? All right. Therefore, if anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Let me just say this. New creation. The word for new is kainos. Kainos. It's really interesting word in Greek because it speaks to substance, but it also speaks to form. Okay? And um, kainos, form means your structure. You know, like a, some, 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 some animals have an exoskeleton. That's their structure, right? It speaks to their structure. That's kind of the outer. You with me? Kind of? Yeah. But it also just as much applies to the substance inside. Right? So think about this with me. If he says you become a new creation, he's literally saying that it, it, could, have, it could mean your outer man or it could mean the inner man form, and substance. Make sense? And ultimately, God is going to change both your form, your body, and your substance, the inner man. Right? You with me? But up to this point, he has not changed the outer man. Although you're a new creation, you look the same. So we know it's talking here about the inner man. That in the new birth, when the inner man is changed, every possibility God had for you in this life is released immediately to you. And you can accomplish them even though the outer form doesn't change. That dispels the whole idea that you have to wait until you get to heaven or until the resurrection to receive what God has for you. It's literally saying that the inner change is enough. Jesus was capped, folks. If you don't believe it, you hadn't read it. 
Jesus went to his hometown and he tried to lay some word on those people. He tried to really show them who God was. But you know what they did? They did what the world does. Isn't this Joseph's son, the carpenter's son? What are they saying? Isn't he $20 an hour material? That's what they're saying. You know good and well that's what they're saying. Isn't his mama Mary? Aren't his brothers this, this, you know, in his sister? Don't they live right over there? And you know what their question was? Then how, where did this man get these things? You see, the world doesn't understand that when Jesus was born again, that when Jesus got the Holy Spirit, he no longer was under their thumb. The world could not press down on him because the power of God had removed the cap. There was nothing pressing on him. If anything, his faith was pressing up. And they were asking the same question the world will ask about you. Where did this kind of person get this idea? Where did this kind of person come up with the ability to run an organization like this? Where did this person get the capital to buy all these properties and rent them out? Who in the world is this person? Where did they come from? They'll ask the same thing of you they did of Christ because they don't get it doesn't affect you if you do get it and it gives you the opportunity then to testify to who God is amen amen kindness now here's what's really interesting in terms of substance you know what it means right of a new kind unprecedented novel when you become a new creation in Christ you become something the world is not prepared for only the mind of God could see what he planned for you they can't see it they couldn't even begin to understand it The new birth that takes place in you, the new creation that comes into you makes you unprecedented. You're worth so much to the world and they don't even know it. You could be the one sitting there that gets a vision of the cure for cancer. They have no earthly, get it, earthly idea who you are. And they will never see you coming. They won't understand it. And because they don't, They'll tell you it's not true. They'll tell you it can't be you. They'll tell you all these things, and you'll let it go in one and out the other, and you say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that I am kindness. I am a new creation. I am novel. The world is not ready for me, but you have been waiting for me since the beginning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, and I believe what you say about me, and I will faithfully walk this track. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to wrestle for it. Will you wrestle with for it will you wrestle for the word of god will you take the kingdom by force amen if you will do that it shall be done for you by my father in heaven (laughs) that's what he said all right in five minutes this is something this is a whole different word okay so new slide all right hebrews 7 7 Without contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Without contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Um, Years ago, I went to a, uh, well, I don't know how, I went to a graduation. And it was really cute. (laughs) They were high schoolers. And one of the valedictorians or somebody, they said, well, I just want to pray over my class. And I want, I want to do a blessing over my class, you know. And I'm just sitting there, and, I'm, and it didn't really matter to me, you know. But I'm just watching it, and all of a sudden, I'm just struck with this, ugh, ugh. It's terrible, you know. And I should be loving it. I mean, it's this person that wants to pray, you know, bless their fellow students. And instead, it's like, ugh, it's God. It's, it's the mind and purpose of God inside me. And he's going, ugh, ick, right? Guys, we've lost this in the church. We've got to fix this mess. Not, I don't talk about, I'm not talking about here, but 
this idea, and the Lord began to minister to me just sitting there. He said, she can't do it. All right, what do you mean she can't do it? She can't bless them. All right, what do you mean she can't bless them? He said, the lesser is blessed by the greater. She's not the greater. She doesn't understand the principle of the word. It's just going to be words. It's not going to mean anything. There's not going to be any force behind it. There's not going to be true spiritual power behind it. This is why people don't believe I'm real, because people do these kinds of things unknowingly, and they don't know the spiritual principles behind it. I abhor this, says the Lord. I was like, and it hit me, Hebrews 7, 7, without contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the greater. It doesn't flow up. It flows down. You cannot just assume that you can just bless all these people just because it's just cool and it's just a nice, and I, hey, I know it's just a young, I'm, not, I'm just saying, you can't just make, oh, they do it in churches so much. I can't tell you the number of times I've been down here praying for people and somebody will come over and put their hand on me and say, I just want to bless you, pastor. I'm like, okay, go ahead. I'm going to keep praying though because it ain't going to make no difference, all right? So, you know, and not, not to be ugly. I just know without contradiction, without contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the greater. And they, we've got this idea in church now that, well, just bless them and then bless this one and bless that one. And there's no blessing. God doesn't honor what we want. He honors his system. He has a system. Amen. Now, I'm going to be in a hurry. But that's in Hebrews 7, 7. But Hebrews 6, 3 tells us something. Now, well, and we might ought to just speed up and go to Genesis 14. I think we will. So I want you to get this and ponder on it between now and next week, if you will. If you will. Genesis 14. Think about this. All right. Abraham just got blessed. God came to Abraham. Hey, do you understand this? There was nobody higher than Abraham on the earth at the time. There was no man that could be sent to Abraham. God had to go to him. So you got to realize, come on, look at me. Look up, please. You have to realize that at any time on earth, there are some people that are not under another person. Ooh, spiritual authority. There are some people on this earth, there's no man higher than them in terms of being able to bless them. You know who they hear from directly? <laughs> yeah, I know. You're sitting here going, you hadn't thought about it, but it's true. But most people, most of us, when we go to other gatherings, go to other churches, we, if, if we are truly spiritual and paying attention, we're going to run into people that's blessing is greater than ours. We should be looking for that. You ain't never been told this, have you? I'll own up to it. Have you been told this before? The church is in a bad spot, folks. We're in a bad spot. We don't know. We don't know how God works. I'm not being rude. I'm just saying. You ain't get this word out. How are you going to be blessed if you're not looking for somebody that can actually bless you? How are you going to be blessed if you're not looking for somebody that can actually bless you? It's going to be hard. Now, I want to teach you something, just a little something here. I just want to teach you just a little something here because you ain't thought about this, I promise you. But you want to be blessed. You need, and I need you to be blessed because my job. God needs you to be blessed. Amen? It ain't going to come through the air just like the Holy Spirit doesn't fly. The Holy Spirit's in Brandon. He's not in the air. Can I say that again? The blessing is not in the air either, folks. The blessing is contained in people. The blessing is God, and the Holy Spirit's in the people. He's not floating around in the air either. That's what most Christians say. Oh, you know, God, just, he's, just, he's just floating around here. No, he's in the people. The people are called the house of God. The people are called the tabernacle of God. He's living in the people. He's not living in the air. Amen? Think about this with me. Abraham went off and defeated the kings that stole his family along with Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember? You remember the story, Genesis 14. You can look at it. All right, he went off. They defeated them, brought it all back, brought all the spoils. They spoiled those kings. They took all their gold, all their silver. They took all the families back, all the goods back that they had stolen. You remember this? Abram and his guys spoiled them. So truly, he could have taken it all, and nobody could have said a thing about it. And the king came to him and said, look, you take all the spoil, take all the gold, but please just let me have my subjects back. Let me have my people back. Abram said, I, I've sworn to God I wouldn't take a thing. 
from you so you can't go say you made me rich. He said, but for the men that went with me and fought, let them have their share. All right, that's the world. You understand? Well, we're going to take their spoil. We're going to take their stuff, right? Hear, hear the voice of Abraham now and hear the mind of him. He was tapped into God. He wasn't tapped into the world. So there was this man. <laughs> All right? There was this man named Melchizedek. You ever heard of Melchizedek? It's the priesthood that Christ is. Hebrews tells you that Christ is of the priesthood, the order of Melchizedek. If you've never studied this, you don't understand blessing. A man. How you spell man? All right. I say that because you've got to understand it. Men bring blessing. Please understand the rules of creation. The rule of creation is men can legally operate. That's the way God set it up. God doesn't bend those rules. So your blessing is tied to a man or a woman most of the time, and you don't know it. And if you're one of these people that doesn't understand this, and in your haste to be so godly, you go around saying, well, I'm not going to follow a man. I, I'll, I'll just believe God. I believe the word of God, and that's it. Then you're going to miss Melchizedek when he comes. Can you hear me? You have already missed Melchizedek when he came. And you're going to miss the next one too. And you're going to sit there and not get blessed because you don't know the truth, thinking at some point God's going to open that heaven and he's going to speak to me and he's going to tell me. And you'll die thinking that. Because God sent Melchizedek to Abram and I promise you you're not as great as Abram. But he had to be blessed by a man. Let me show you what it means when you don't miss it and you see how God blesses people. Do you want to hear this? You want to hear it? All right, here it is. Then Melchizedek, king of Shalem, Shalom, king of peace. Who's the prince of peace? Melchizedek's personification of Jesus before Jesus was here as a man. But he still had to come as a man or he couldn't legally carry blessing on the earth. You with me? All right, Abraham had to find his man that could bless him because he couldn't take the world's riches. Church, you can't take the world's riches. It won't work for you. You'll regurgitate it and throw it up. You have to find God's riches for you because you're a new creation. You can't eat what they eat. You will throw it up. It'll make you sick. Amen? Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. What do we call that? Communion. Amen. He brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. You know, oh, man, he was the high priest. Jesus became the high priest. And he blessed Abraham. He blessed Abraham. And this is what he said. Blessed be Abraham, God of God most high. And, uh, well, also, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Now, that's a blessing. All of your enemies are delivered into your hand. That makes sense? And you know what Abram did? I'm teaching you how to be blessed. You know what Abram did? He, gave he brought a tithe to Melchizedek. I'll read it to you. And he gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe, of, a tithe of all. <laughs> How many Melchizedek's got sent to you? You didn't recognize them, and you didn't give them any honor, and you didn't get blessed. You didn't give them any honor, whether you had money or not. You didn't honor the gifting of that person, whoever it was, somebody that had wisdom for something you needed. You didn't even look because you weren't looking. You weren't looking for a Melchizedek because you were waiting on God. But see, Melchizedek's who God sent because God doesn't come to earth. Men are on the earth. 
and the Holy Spirit indwells me. Amen? Does it make sense? Teach your children to honor men and women of God so they don't miss Melchizedek. Teach them to sow into other people and honor them so they can receive the gift of God and be blessed. Please do. Don't be like all these churches that think all that stuff's just gone, that we're all just equal now and everybody's blessed, everybody hears from Jesus. Does it make sense? You know these people, and they're great people, but they don't know what they're talking about. For beyond contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Does that make sense? I want to share one other thing with you. In Galatians 3, it says Jesus Christ took the curse on for us so that the blessing of Abraham may come to us. And we call it the blessing of Abraham, right? But it's really not of Abraham. It was just the blessing that Melchizedek pronounced on Abraham. Now, Abraham still had to live in such a way that that blessing came to fruition. Amen? It didn't just happen. And Abraham, that's you, had to recognize the man's sin or the woman's sin. Or he wouldn't have listened. He would say, who are you, man? I don't need you. I've got the promises of God. That's what they're saying, right? Abraham had the promises of God. Guess what? They were ineffectual without the blessing to go with them. Mm. <laughs> Abraham had the blessing. He had the promises of God. I'll do all this stuff for you. But it wasn't actuated until the person with the blessing came. Please don't ever forget that. Nobody's a church unto themselves. We all work together. Amen.